Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. Well, happy Wednesday. Today is January 17th. I'm Chase Williams, and I'm here today with our special guest, Erica Lalka, team leader and operating principal in our Keller Williams Spokane and Keller Williams Tri-Cities Market Centers in Eastern Washington. Thanks for being here today, Erica. Thanks for having me, Chase. This week, the real estate industry was left reeling yet again from an out-of-the-blue resignation of National Association of Realtors President Tracy Casper who resigned from her position effective immediately following what she says was a threat of blackmail. The NAR has had a rocky road over the last number of months and even year, and this is kind of the latest story to come about that's not exactly a great reflection on the organization. What are your thoughts, Erica, about any of that? A couple of things that I like to think of as a leader, as a person. Number one, like, what a challenge to step up into this position in a time where leading an organization that's under a lot of scrutiny has got to be a difficult decision regardless. And then to have someone blackmail you, of course, there's a couple of different ways you can look at that. Number one is, was there something that was really there? And part of us want transparency, whether it's because we feel that we're owed that or whether we just want some gossip. But the reality is we are definitely under attack right? Our industry is being scrutinized from many different directions, number one. And number two, that race is always important in every situation. When we're considering what this person's going through, like, I want to just say thank you for stepping up and leading in such a turbulent time. And to provide the grace to know that the decisions that they're making are best for them. and, And hopefully we let this die down and allow them to go back to living a life that they deserve, which is free from all the drama, because I think all of us would want that as well. Absolutely. And and certainly NAR actually did not disclose who allegedly made the threat or what the threat was. So we don't even know if it came from inside of the organization, outside of the organization, what specifically the threat was. And Casper is actually going to be replaced by Kevin Sears, who's the NAR's president-elect since November. So Kevin would have been the person taking over for this role, eventually slotted for 2025 anyways. And he had a, a quote that he offered. He says, while this title has come earlier than expected, please know that I'm ready, willing, and able to lead this association as your president. He said that in a video published by NAR on Thursday. He said, I think you will agree that our primary focus must be on furthering the business of the association, which means we are fully engaged on the legal, business, and advocacy challenges that are top priority to you and the clients that you serve. Of course, speaking to the membership of NAR. I echo what you said. It's a challenging time to be leading in the world. It's certainly a challenging time to be leading in the real estate industry. And I appreciate those that step up to the challenge because all eyes are on them, right? Fairly or unfairly, it's what you sign up for as a leader. And I really appreciate that quote that Kevin offered in terms of like grabbing onto the wheel, feeling confident about what he can bring to the table and what the organization really does need to accomplish in the wake of quote unquote drama that it's been facing. And I don't want to, I don't want to say that in such a way that there's not real challenges. But at the end of the day, the organization has to go forward and hopefully it can do that with strong leadership. Well, they're going to need that, Chase, because anybody who has 
been participating in the social media world has noticed that there is a lot of chatter about leaving NAR. I've been a real estate agent in the organization for 33 years, and it's been what I would consider a tumultuous relationship. We've had our good times, we've had our bad times, but the relationship is the conversation is the relationship. And I really appreciate that he is stepping forward and communicating in a way that I would say is very effective and certainly gives me hope that he's going to last a little longer than the last few. I believe that as real estate agents, that the National Association of Realtors has provided up until this point more value than they have not. So let's hope that he can set the ship in the right direction. Yeah. And certainly he's going to be setting the ship in a direction when the waves are as high as they've ever been, right? Given the commission lawsuits that we continue to talk about and we'll talk about more today, the allegations of sexual harassment inside of the organization of NAR. I mean, those are big waves that that ship is facing. And so again, it's important that we're reporting the news as it's coming out and we're trying to identify what does this mean to the real estate agent In part, it means that an organization that's advocated on your behalf for a really long time is experiencing some challenges. That's how I would summarize it, right? And not to minimize it, but to summarize it. And so I think there's going to be a lot more news regarding the NAR in the coming months and years, particularly with some of these commission lawsuits. So we'll have to continue to report on what's happening, what it means to us and going forward. Well, in another story, Erica, and maybe more specific to the real estate agent, there's a report out from the CFA that the vast majority of real estate agents sold five or fewer homes in the past year, and about half sold either zero homes or only one. And that's according to a new study from nonprofit watchdog Consumer Federation of America released on Wednesday. And there's a statement from Stephen Brobeck, who's a senior fellow at the CFA. He says, consumers do not benefit from the failure of companies to adequately train and oversee new agents. Incompetent agents impose costs on consumers ranging from missed sales opportunities to disadvantageous sales prices to problematic homes. So that was a statement by this watchdog. What are your thoughts on that report, Erica? I think that numbers tell a story, but I also know that numbers can tell almost any story. As much as I appreciate that, I don't know that there's enough data to jump to the conclusions that perhaps this report is providing. I do agree that we do need to be aware of the fact that if you are going to sell real estate, that is a high price tag and we are experts and that we should be the expert of choice for our clients and to generally blanket statement that agents are a part-time industry, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, right? I believe that there are agents who are professionals and it's definitely not a part-time position. And then, (laughs) I don't know, you might want to cut this out, but I have an affectionate name for the rest of them and I call them card-carrying members. And that's the agent that does just get a license to have a business card. And those are the agents that we should be aware of. And as an industry as a whole, we should continue to put an effort towards educating those people. That's the great thing about being in America. You do have the right to choose what you want to do with your life. And if you choose to be a part-time real estate agent, I would be concerned how someone might want to legislate that. I would encourage the consumer to do what they've always done and be particular in the expert that they choose to represent them in such a large purchase and remind agents that education is an important aspect of being a real estate agent of excellence. 
I love all of that. I'm going to share a little bit of detail around how the report was conducted. I personally think there's some fatal flaws in yes. this sample size and the way that the study was conducted. But I want to read that just so that those listeners can understand. Overall, the study sample for the third report included 2,000 agents in 20 major brokerages. So 2,000 agents, that's the total sample size. Specifically, the study examined the annual number of home sales of 100 randomly selected agents working for each of five major brokerages in four urban areas, Central Pennsylvania, Orlando, Florida, Tucson, Arizona, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the research was conducted in October and November. So a couple of things I want to say here. One is, if you wanted to look at the type of agent and the number of sales that an agent is doing, I would say that you would start with the sales themselves rather than a random sample size of real estate agents. Because ultimately, we know that a small percentage of the real estate agents in the industry sell a large percentage of the real estate that's sold, right? I would also argue that the number of homes an agent sells is maybe not the best measure of the level of expertise that they have. And I say that because I've worked with agents in the industry that have sold lots of homes and they're still not that competent. And I don't say that lovingly. It just, it happens on occasion. Whereas I've worked with other real estate agents who have sold fewer properties, but have a care and expertise for their client that's far beyond someone maybe just with more units. And so it's not the only measure of the expertise of a real estate agent. Thoughts on that? Thoughts on the way that this study was conducted? I think that you and I are saying very much the same thing in the fact that numbers tell a story, but often that story is, of course, biased to those who choose to tell the story the way that they feel they want to share it. And I think it's just another example of really an attack on the industry as a whole. And I don't want to use the word attack in a way that is overzealous. It's just that we are held to a standard. And I do believe that that standard, that bar could be raised. However, again, like you said, there's some agents that come out of the gate, you know that they're just amazing. And it's the way that they treat their profession. They run it like a business, not like they're a salesperson. When we continue to perpetuate these stories, I don't think it does us a service as real estate agents to reflect back to the community, the professionals that we are, those who truly care deeply about what they do. Yeah, I would agree. And furthermore, on the data, says the sales data for the previous year came from Realtor.com, Zillow, Homes.com, and individual agent websites. <laughs> and so wow. we know that our audience for this program are real estate agents. And so they're going to know that those are not the most accurate sources for data by any stretch of the imagination. So again, I think there's some fatal flaws here. They also self-reported said that when asked about how sales agent teams were handled in the study, they admitted that data was sometimes problematic. So to your point on the opening of this story, sometimes numbers can be manipulated, gotten from an unreliable source, et cetera. And I would agree with you. I think this report aims in part at saying that there should be stricter regulations on how to become a real estate agent. That's been a conversation going on in the industry for a long time, right? With a fair amount of support. There's also advocacy in this article about requiring additional training or requiring additional competency. That's also problematic because, frankly, we work with independent contractors. The ability to require certain things can sometimes be in question given labor law and individual states, et cetera, right? 
But it's interesting food for thought when you consider that this is a nonprofit consumer watchdog organization, in essence, saying that it's a part-time industry. Some more copycat lawsuits are coming to the table in regards to commission rules in the industry. As a matter of fact, class action complaints filed by Joseph Masello, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, and Robert Friedman joined chorus of litigation nationwide objecting to trade group rules requiring sellers to offer compensation to buyer brokers. Home sellers in Arizona and New York are the latest, latest here copycat, to file lawsuits alleging real estate companies and trade groups violated antitrust laws by conspiring to inflate broker commissions. Thoughts on these lawsuits that continue to come down almost seems like on a weekly basis at this point, Erica. (laughs) It's no surprise, right? We make good money and we also work hard for that money. And I'm going to say that in general because I'd like to believe that the people I'm in business with, it's our job to be professionals with excellence and provide the best service to our clients. Like many professionals, we're certainly not unlike many professionals who do well. There are going to be other industries looking in our pockets for money. And it's not surprising that these are going to happen after you have the first lawsuit that clearly at this point looks like a win for the plaintiffs, right? And we've got a long ways to go before that actually shakes out. And I personally, as a real estate agent, haven't thought of the funds that I'm receiving from a seller as a commission that I'm paying the buyer's agent as much as I'm considering it part of the marketing fee. It is part of what attracts the buyer's agent and the buyer to that home is the ability for that buyer to have an opportunity to have their own representation when making such a large investment. And when you take that away, I'm concerned that we are not actually leveling the playing field, but making it more difficult to buy and sell. I could be wrong. I guess we'll find out. I'm going to read a quote from a spokesperson from the Arizona Association of Realtors, which is one of the defendants that's named in this Arizona lawsuit. It says the National Association of Realtors maintains, and we agree, that the practice of cooperative compensation makes efficient, transparent, and accessible marketplaces possible. Sellers can sell their home for more and have their home seen by a larger pool of potential buyers, while buyers have more choices of homes and can afford representation. I think that's a really strong quote, right? In essence, it's saying some of what you said, which is these lawsuits say that they're trying to serve the consumer. And yet I believe that they run the risk of harming the consumer at large. My personal belief is it's because it's nothing more than a money grab by the attorneys that are gathering these people up and somehow telling them that they were wronged. But we have for a long time in the industry enjoyed a very sophisticated marketplace that works extremely well for both buyers and sellers, sellers agents and buyers agents for a really long time. And the reason I can say that with with such confidence, Erica, is it's not just my opinion, although it is, it's the opinion generally of the consumer when we poll and ask them, right? They are telling us that they are by and large extremely satisfied with the representation that they receive and how they received it. So all of a sudden, attorneys come along and they cause a problem or bring something forward that no one else ever kind of figured was one. And here we are, right? Billions of dollars in potential damages that are being thrown around in these lawsuits. And I think it could actually harm the very people that they're claiming to be protecting. 
Well, let me give you an example of how I see this, Chase. What I see is these companies such as Zillow and even these lawsuits, they're really pushing the industry towards a functionary relationship where it's a task-oriented situation and you're not hiring someone who is developing a professional relationship that puts the client first. A functionary relationship doesn't require that the client come first. A fiduciary relationship does. And when we're taking that fiduciary situation out of these transactions, you run the risk of people who do not invest all of their knowledge into understanding what type of home they're purchasing, what kind of expenses are going to come along with that home. One of the greatest ways to become wealthy in the United States is through real estate. One of the greatest ways to lose all of your money <laughs> is through real estate if you don't know what you're doing. I certainly don't operate on myself. I don't even do my own hair, if I'm being honest. Like, <laughs> you know, there are certain things I know you do, Chase, but that's <laughs> you know, a whole different story. The reality is, is like, what level of service do you desire when you're investing in the situation? I've shared often with agents that I work with that so many people plan six to 12 months and hire a multitude of professionals in order to deliver a beautiful wedding experience for a couple. And it's very rare that you're going to invest as much in a wedding, not unheard of, but very rare that you're going to invest as much in a wedding as you will in a home. And yet we as a society are looking to remove, like you said, that incredible layer of protection that comes with hiring a fiduciary when you're investing in the largest, more likely the largest investment that you're going to make. And we're not just talking about residential, although I believe that, you know, residential real estate is, it's what I have a passion for to see everyone own a home. But we're also talking about even companies who are relying on commercial agents. There is a need for experts in this area. And that's been proven over and over again, thanks to National Association of Realtors who have invested the time into studying these things. And like you said, you get a wider pool of people. And over and over again, it has shown that when you use a real estate agent, when you use a realtor, you get a better opportunity and you make more money at the end of the day. Part of the challenge that I have with these cases is that they're predicated on something I don't believe is true. And that's this like underlying conspiracy to harm the consumer. Because we know that commissions have been negotiated at the kitchen 100%. table between seller and agent for a really long time in a very intimate, open way, right? It's not been conspired upon. And, 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 and we know this because we've been leading in the industry for a while. And yet that's the foundation of these cases to start with. I'm going to read one last quote from Chris Kelly, who's actually a spokesperson for Home Services of America, one of the defendants named in Arizona. He said the Masello case, like the previous copycat cases over the past two months, is attempting to seize on a misguided verdict that stands in stark contradiction to the actual dynamics of today's real estate transactions. Unfortunately, this and other similar lawsuits in recent months risk undermining the interests of the very consumers they allege to represent. Our companies will continue to work to protect the buyers and sellers who rely on our services and guidance during the home buying and selling process. The most significant financial transaction for most of these consumers. And that's in perfect alignment with what you just shared, right? So I, I have real concern around what these lawsuits could do, but I wouldn't take the concern as far as fear because I, I believe that they're just based on something that's not actually the case. And I have faith that we're going to work through some of this as long as it may take. 
I think there's a lot of strong and great leaders in the industry that are going to continue to go to bat, not only for the real estate agent, but for the consumers that we truly care about serving on a daily basis. Well, folks, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Ryan Vizda with Keller Williams Metropolitan in Concord, New Hampshire. And we'll see you next time on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Apple, Google, or Spotify, or really any major streaming platform to subscribe and don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening to The Real Look.